0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And then this week, it's Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Baby, I'm an arsonist. <laughs> As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week, We talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week, it is the final song that we have left from Maybe I'll Catch Fire, Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Maybe I'll Catch Fire. I mean, it it worked out uh, astoundingly well now, didn't it? Sure did, and I mean, gotta give a lot of credit to our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were, because they voted on this song.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm they sure did it's funny there's been a one that i has been put in the polls a few times now another dan song maybe from a record even earlier than this one that i keep thinking people will choose and it just never happens so yeah uh i'm glad they picked this one though
0: maybe on valentine's day Mm, yes um and uh we also you and i just had a nice conversation about the album Maybe I'll catch fire. A little mm-hmm. wrap up. A little, you know, coming to uh conclusions on our own conclusions on this record that was it provided us so much joy throughout the podcast and uh I mean really what a what a what a momentous occasion that you and I had just to talk about all of the memories over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. Thank you.
1: I'm um, yeah. You guys should uh if you are a patron, you've probably already listened. If you're not um and want to hear us talk about our thoughts on this record, our complicated thoughts and feelings on this record, as well as uh I don't know, maybe a little uh little bit of shit talking going on. Um
0: well you can go do that. No shit talking here today though, on As You Were a podcast about alkaline trio the normal feed. This is uh, well, this I think is what they call a fan favorite. I would uh, I would call it that. As a fan, it's a favorite of mine. Well, I too a fan, and I too uh, favorite iTunes? this song on uh, the places where you can favorite it, and mm, uh, like iTunes, I would list it too as one of my favorites, and maybe my favorite on the maybe i'll catch fire album
1: well i mean it's very good they named it maybe i'll catch fire instead of mad at me you would not like that record very much
0: no that would make that would that would lower my feelings on the record i think
1: yeah i mean fair um so let's talk about it uh pretty wild title track and pretty great album title in my opinion
0: yeah it's, uh, it's quite the phrase, and mm-hmm. I think that it, it really just encapul- encapsulates so much of the feeling of this record, just in the same way as God Damn It did, um, but a title track from Dan, also the second release in a row where Dan has the title track. And so, yeah, yeah, "Yeah, I lied my face off.
1: It's pretty wild because you know I think I think I kind of forget about both. I lied my face off and 4 Your lungs only as having title tracks because they're EPs. I feel like it's a little more common, even just colloqu- colloquially, people just call like seven-inch EPs whatever the fucking first song is. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know I think I was thinking about it just because I feel like I lied my face off is such a I don't know it's a similarly great title from dan and i think both these songs are really getting into this like ugly morose part of himself that is starting to surface Mm -hmm. uh in this band and i think you see a little bit but in a softer form of that on from here to infirmary and then you kind of don't get much of it again um he learned to stop hating himself which you know good for him uh yeah, Not going to hate on that. <laughs> but I think it makes some really wildly compelling material when he did. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think like in opposition to I Lied My Face Off, this one, while it is real dark, it's also got a lot less anger in it. And really, mm-hmm. it's one of the most evocative tracks of Dan, just in... The presentation you where know, the music drops out, and you just got Dan and his fucking just his bass is doing really fun, just little movements in between chords. But just that, that setup of, and this is, I think I'm in a good setting for uh, this particular conversation, just based on the reverb in this empty room that I'm in right now. But the dropout and this house is full of years
1: like oh, Mm -hmm.
0: oh okay pray tell yeah i mean it's um i feel
1: like this i feel like maybe i'll catch fire is the record where you can kind of start seeing the disparity between dan and matt and how dan's songs feel i think a little more grown up here even though like she took him to the lake is very much just a a sad love song. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's writing it from the third person, which I think is a really cool play. And this song, you know, like I think some of the, you know, infirmary stuff and, and, you know, other material here and there feels like a song really about um, depression and just kind of like not really caring what happens to you. And I think he expresses it in such a unique way that like, you know, me being... 10 year old kid didn't really fucking pick up on mm-hmm. and just thought it was like oh this is like weird and creepy and intense and cool and then the older i got i was like oh no that's just a song about like i have trouble being alive yeah um which is uh weird and intense and not cool
0: yeah yeah totally and i think that there's um you know it's a very human um scene that he's laying out of just being in a house and living with friends and feeling like such a burden and Mm -hmm. what he does with essentially just like being in a situation where he's up in his room, not wanting to talk to anybody because you feel like you're too much to handle. Um, and he just takes that and, and turns it into something that just feels so like ghostly.
1: Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the, the whole part about like, you know, the most relaxing, most exciting thing he does, like hanging halfway out a third floor window mm-hmm. is just like, yeah, there's just so much like it's, it's clearly kind of touching on suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty overtly. Um, but like almost acknowledging that, like from where he sits, it would most it would probably be an unsuccessful attempt and just very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like what I've always loved about maybe I'll catch fire is I think the pairing of album title, given what the song is about, and given that album cover, it's just like so evocative to me. And it's always been like I think like it's definitely my favorite album cover of theirs just because of that disparity. And them like really moving away from the, the, I mean, one of the few times they move away from like dark blacks, reds, grays, Mm -hmm. and do something really bright. This orange and blue is very vibrant, um, color palette and like packaging on a record that is like so fucking dour is just (laughs) like a really interesting
0: move to me. Um, You know, I think, too, with, like, what we know about the band and their living situation at this time, like, Dan was living on the third floor in the house where they wrote God Damn It and where he lived with Matt and Glenn, Um, which is just an interesting bit of context, too, that he's writing a song about, the other people that are in the house and his inability to like talk to them when he's in this space. Mm -hmm. But here's a song about it. And I mean, I think that's a, that's something to, to take into just about like all creative pursuits is that you can, you can always put it somewhere and say the things that you wish you could say in person, but just can't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's also a part of it too, is like, you know, that it was such, there's such a lore of like the kind of punk house vibe that they had in that place on Hermitage. And like, you know, having been there, having seen it, like it is a tall building and like thinking of them kind of having a run of this place of like practicing on the first floor, yada, yada, yada. Like, it is really interesting and it is really interesting to think like, there's this thing of like, you know, not being able to talk to anyone than not being able to hear you. And it's just like feeling like maybe it's not even that you can't talk to these people, but it's like in those situations, there's never a good time to do it mm-hmm. or like, because it's such a, it's a young person. I don't want to say party atmosphere, but kind of like punk house atmosphere. And I feel like that can be hard when like, there's always, I don't know, five or six people around to be like, yo, like I'm having a rough time. You can't like, get that one-on-one feeling and like that's stuff like that's always been really interesting to me um Mm -hmm. and i think this song can really it has some of that energy and it has some of the just like the inability in himself to even rise to that occasion or feel like he's comfortable doing it and like the fact that kind of works for me on those couple levels i think makes it feel very authentic and honest you know in a way that like It doesn't feel like it's trying to make a grand statement. He's just kind of writing about what the fuck is going on.
0: Yeah, totally. And a line that I think I take for granted um, is the opening of the second verse. And the reason that I take it for granted is that he kind of sets up the form of how the verses go. So, you know, it follows along with This House is Full of Years... This house is full of eyes, but what I love is what follows that I can't look at anyone they've seen this face a thousand times and mm-hmm. that's that's such a fucking feeling that you know you can only you know when I mean, when you know you know you just feel so thin and, and see through and you're ashamed. Too, of that inability that you have in just not being able to fake it, not being able to just like walk yep. in and just like say what's up for a few minutes and then go upstairs. It's just you're nothing other than your illness.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this also is just like, you know i think he's someone who sang a lot about it on the early stuff but he's definitely someone who was drinking a lot you know smoking a lot and like trying to kind of distract from the feeling of being himself mm-hmm. um and i think that's what makes like a song let's say like also on this record she took him to the lake where i think he's talking about those moments where he does feel really alive and excited and then it falls away and he's obviously doing it from the third person perspective because it's like, I've always found the kind of dichotomy between those two songs to be really interesting because like, and maybe I'll catch fire. He's so internalized. He so sees himself in the sense of being like this piece of shit who he doesn't care Mm -hmm. about and no one's there for. And then when he sees the other version of himself, which is what I've always assumed that song is, yeah, um you know i feel like he needs to remove himself from it to get to even access or acknowledge that better things were possible for him at some point yeah you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and i think that's such a really compelling thing on this record which is why i think dan really shines on it he's only got three songs but i think musically and i think the way he makes these songs feel and the way he um kind of imbues a lot of his personality into them, like really makes them hit in ways that, you know, I, I think this is a really
0: standout release for him at the very least. 100%. And I think that, um, my top three songs on this record are certainly the the top two would be this one. And she took him to the lake let's Mm -hmm. see I mean you've got so far to go it's uh depends on the day but sure I I think too that like speaking to what you're saying about how internal the perspective is too just that line that like closes out the chorus of you know I guess I only claim to be nice Mm -hmm. like that is such a fucking burner of a lyric because it's like you feel so low that you're what you're saying about yourself is that like this thing that is really just external it's really just about how you are towards other people when you talk about being like a nice person to say that like i'm not even that is like that's fucking that's heavy yeah, I mean I think
1: it's just and it's kind of just tossed off there at the end of the course, essentially. And it's just like I don't know, there's just a lot of genuinely like brutal introspection mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. here. Um and I think he twists that into joyous feelings on the next record with like I'm dying tomorrow and like shit like that, where like I think he's still occupying a similar space, but he's not like wallowing in it, but Man, when he does here, it fucking is effective. Um, yeah. And just like this song kind of comes in. And I think, you know, Matt playing this song feels like he plays it like he only played on Dan songs on this record, mm. where it's like this big kind of open fucking chord thing, really big mid-tempo, just kind of just like rolling feeling to it in a way that like, he's not trying to be super active. He's not trying to throw in a lot of stuff. Like there are octave chords that kind of come in in some of the choruses and it ends on one, Um, which is cool, honestly. Uh, But he's really fucking pulling himself back. And I think Glenn is too, to really prop up like what I think is a very strong vocal performance and just like a really strong piece of Mm -hmm. songwriting.
0: Yeah. Just the, the patience of that first verse going into the chorus, you know, really nothing in between. Just like that open space and then just when that chorus hits and the guitar sounds so huge. And we just talked about this on Patreon, but Mass guitar tone on this record is like he finally, finally like hit the bullseye on what is, you know, essentially it's like his playing was meant for this tone. And there's, I think like one of the, one of my favorite things on this record and something I really get so much joy out of is just how big the guitar sound. I mean, I've
1: always felt like this is, part of the reason I love this record is because I love that the way it sounds and feels like it's, I think before this, it's definitely pretty shrill and, and, and you know, messy. And I think it serves that material well and it doesn't, you know, I'm not someone who production really like makes or breaks something for usually. Um, mm-hmm. But there's just, it sounds so big and so layered and, and just kind of hits in the space where it feels warm, but kind of distant to me. Mm-hmm. It just really works. And then when it gets more dialed in and processed on what follows, it's not bad, but it feels, it doesn't feel as personable. It doesn't feel as just like I can, I can picture these songs being played in front of Mm -hmm. me. And I think that's kind of what this record has always felt like is I very much could see the band writing this and playing this and honing it in. And just the way that like, I think like even, you know, Gar- guitar's notwithstanding, but just like I like that the drums are a little bit more back in the mix mm-hmm. on this record, as opposed to God damn it, I like that Glenn is you know, quote unquote reining it in a bit because I think it's it's all in service of the material. I, I think he dials he dials it up when he has to, but I think there's a lot of just like n- you know purposeful restraint going on here um and when it does kind of rise it's like oh shit that's a that's a big moment yeah
0: i mean absolutely and i think this is really a testament to Matt Allison as a producer um for this band and to steer them into what well just specifically steering Matt into the tone that they find for him it's just it's tremendous to go from, goddamn it, to I lied my face off to this, and it's just. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- yeah I think that there's this is such a cool interesting song for like Matt's playing too because it really reminds me of Bleeder a lot where the like the guitar passages are so like long and like this song mm-hmm. starts off and it takes a really long time to get through the chord changes for it to drop yeah. out. It's, it's, I I don't know, like in comparison to like a, you know, nose over tail. Um,
1: I mean, or even five, three, ten four is a lot, a lot of happening mm-hmm. there, you know? Um, you know, and I think, For me, this song is a standout in the same way that I would say, like, I know you are more mixed on it, but fuck you, Aurora. The reason I like that is because he just really takes his time getting to the next Mm -hmm. note. And when it gets there, it feels like a resolve. And then he just kind of continues to hang on it for a long time. And there's a lot of that happening on Maybe I'll Catch Fire with Matt. But it works exceptionally well on Dan's songs. Mm -hmm. um, Because it just, you know, I, I think Dan's much more concise- throughout this album Mm -hmm. and getting that feeling put into a song that is a little more focused a little more dialed in really creates just a super unique feel where i this is the type of song where i couldn't imagine them writing this on another record or for Mm -hmm. another record Mm -hmm. before or since like it almost has to exist squarely where it does and that is always super fucking cool to me
0: yeah totally um and just like I think like one of my favorite parts on on the song is just the s- the second half of the second verse, and just the way that Glenn starts hitting the snare. The way it just like picks up, but it's not super tight. It just yeah. like keeps this build going that Dan's just able to carry by himself on the on the first verse but i think that the way that the band comes in on the second it just like maintains this eeriness that you know it's not it's not like they come in and it's like all right tightening things up because we gotta do it differently this Mm -hmm. time around it's really just got like this sort of drudging pace to it that just it tees it up again for that chorus and And those chords just come in so huge.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is one of those songs where I have like nothing but great things to say about it. And like can really, uh, go on and on. So I'm going to pivot and say some bad things about another version of the song, (laughs) which is maybe I'll catch fire acoustic, which came out on the deluxe edition of agony and irony. If you've not heard it, you're not missing anything. Um, Because here's the unfortunate rub with this song is normally I'm not like anti acoustic songs, I'm not anti acoustic versions of songs that already exist. Sometimes it's fucking awesome. This is not that because it's, I've always felt that this song does not work when you strip everything away. And that's maybe the only knock I can say on it is that, you know it worked best in its original form is that like trying to peel the layers back. And like, even when I've seen Dan do solo shows and maybe play it, I just don't think it carries the same weight somehow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know there are a lot of songwriters who are like, if it doesn't work on acoustic, it doesn't really work and doesn't take it to the band. But this is the literal opposite example of like, sometimes you need to use all the tools that are at your disposal in making something. Mm -hmm um and you know it's not like it's awful but it's just knowing what the song represents what it feels like and 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 the weight it carries it's just so funny to see an acoustic version really sap all the life out of it
0: yeah totally i mean this this is a song that's like so strong right away and manages to build just i i feel like the amount of time that that interlude takes that, br- that instrumental bridge takes to just get back to that chorus is like, mm-hmm. oh, man, they're, they're doing it. I mean, they, this, like yep. this band doesn't have like guitar solos, but no. this is a guitar solo that like has the type of life that like a J Jay Maskis can put into you know, a guitar solo where it has its own just like movement and its own Mm. peaks. And, um, I, I think that it's one of my favorite things that this band is like ever done is, is just that instrumental bridge leading into the last chorus where Dan just belts it.
1: I mean, it's perfect. It's, it's absolutely fucking perfect. And like, it's just one of those moments where they come back into it and you're like, whoa, they really fucking pulled that off. Um, and I think that's, it's a danger when you get into, um, I don't want to call it revisionism because it's not like they don't play the song or tried to make the acoustic version into like the definitive version. But it feels like the seeds of the damnesia thing where it's like, Maybe Dan wanted another take at it. Maybe he'd been playing it solo and wanted to try it, but I just don't think. I think it's so exceptionally rare that another version works. You know, this is something where it's like, I uh, there are plenty of bands who have done the, like we're going to re-record old material because we don't like how it sounds or blah 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 or do acoustic versions or this or that or mm-hmm. fucking symphony and Metallica or whatever the hell. And I just don't think that ever becomes canonical it just becomes like that's a thing we did that the fans don't talk about like I just yeah. you know it's it's an odd play Um and it's just it really points out to me how sometimes you just do not need to fuck with it like the, the things you maybe don't like about it the things that you think were imperfect if it's resonated with people to this degree I think you can kind of just leave it be because they got what they wanted mm-hmm. you know And, uh, you know, there are plenty of times that like I've written shit that people have really latched onto, and I'm like, "Mm, I don't really like how that came out, but they do. So I'm not like I'm not going to go back and try to do it again. Like it worked because it worked. And and sometimes you just need to accept the fact that like doing the work in the time and it being expressed in a way at that time will do what you need it to. Like no amount of money or production, or takes is going to get you there again.
0: I think worth noting, too, that we've got two weeks in a row now where we can really talk about the drummer like coming in with a great vocal performance, because I believe that that is Glenn on the last chorus going home. I believe so, too. And I think,
1: you know... We talked about it last week, but like he sang a lot on that early stuff. Like you watch old videos of them, he's got the fucking mic kind of by his side, ready to lean back and do like it. Ah! Um, but I don't believe it's Matt at the end of the song. Um, it doesn't sound like him. It doesn't really feel like him, and. Compared to God damn it, where there's a lot of Matt and Dan backing each other, I feel like this record doesn't have as much of that. It feels more isolated in terms of those performances. And yeah, like, ah man, it just adds this cool fucking textural element. And I really hope it's Glenn, because I'm we're giving him the credit for it. But I just doing the math, assume that's what it was.
0: Yeah, it is like it's a high register. And I don't know. There's just like an added bit of desperation that comes in there. And yeah. um, What do you rate it? Five out of
1: five for me. Fucking perfect.
0: Five out of five. No questions asked. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week it was Maybe I'll Catch Fire. A song that was voted upon by our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash as you were. You can vote yourself if you like, and you can also listen to us talk a little bit more about the album as a whole, you know, some other long form stuff over there, some very cool custom notebooks that we printed and shipped off. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a real cool place to hang out. So We uh, invite you to go on over there and encourage you to uh, rate, subscribe, tell a friend about the show, and come back next week. We'll be here. We will be here. We'll see you then. Thanks, Bubba.